Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? and welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies this, 1983's Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going well. This is very exciting. We are up to a uh, another moment in this film that is legendary. Uh, for people that, <laughs> that that love or even hate Superman 3. And joining us to talk about it is our pal, Brian Heiler. Hi, Brian. Hey, guys. I really appreciate this. Um, when you guys approached me, I asked for this because I wanted some closure from some childhood trauma. <laughs> and um, so this is going to be great. Uh, we're going to learn a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> we're going <laughs> to have a breakthrough moment. <laughs> Absolutely. And a, a typical psychiatrist hour is 60 minutes. So we'll wrap this up in, in 51 minutes, I think. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about minutes 145 through 150. They're going to open with Gus having a change of heart uh, about uh, killing Superman. And they're going to end with the computer running amok. And in between those five minutes, as we said, it's going to be something very, very scary. Uh, but before we get to all this, Brian, we've got to ask you, like, what is your history with Superman 3? Um, I, well, I, when I was a kid, it played at the uh, local cinema, um, which I was just newly minted. Like I could walk to the movies by myself. So I'm maybe 12 and, uh, it was playing, you know, there was like a second run theater and usually like Superman movies were something my grandma brought me to. They were like, you know, she brought me to Superman one and Superman two, but Superman three, we kind of tapped out. I heard it was bad. (laughs) And, um, So, but I, you know, I, there was no way I wasn't going to go see it at the, at the cinema downtown. So I walked there with my friend, we saw it and, um, it was just disappointing. You know, as a kid, I, I was really disappointed with it, but I also was a little bit traumatized by the scene we're going to talk about now. And I had a nightmare about the film, um, that night and I threw up. I remember throwing up the popcorn and then um, oh my God. the wow. next day, and this was really weird. The next day, my dad um, was taking me somewhere and he had to do a sales call. So it was a magazine shop and um, he was, you know, he was sorting a rack out and putting a display together. And I was left in the magazine store, which doesn't sound so bad, except they had like no comics and the only magazine that would interest me was the superman three um like souvenir book you know whatever that was and i was like oh god like and yeah i think she's in there and it's like um so yeah that that's it's a weird it's a weird memory it's uh and, and of course like my wife shares that like she's like oh that thing's terrifying you know um and she won't watch the film either. And and I think it's um I think it's like top five 
kinder trauma for me. Like um, you've got the, the kid catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and, <laughs> and this, you know. Uh, <laughs> We've been talking about this over the course of all these episodes is that this, this movie lurches so strangely from tone to tone. And then you've got such amazingly silly stuff. You've got the, you know, the Richard Pryor as the general, and you've got the uh, the streetlight characters beating each other up, which is right out of, you know, like a Warner Brothers cartoon. And then you've got something like the moment we're going to get to, which is as dark as anything seen in a Superman movie. So it's like Richard Lester, tonally, this thing was just all over the place. I have a theory about it, but I'll get to it later uh, as we as we kind of clock it down. But I do have a theory about it. Uh, as to why it is the way it is. And um, it's, it, it, it works for me um, in terms of explaining what the hell he was doing. Um, okay. Oh, I'm, but, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I don't want to sell it, oversell it. You know? Have you, uh, how, how is this movie, have you, how have you engaged with this movie over time? Do you ever, do you ever go back to it or is like, was, was watching it for this episode, like the first time you've seen I, it in a while? Yeah, I, I don't watch it. Um, <laughs> The, the the closest I come to watching it is watching Office Space, which obviously uh, <laughs> references it a bunch of times. Now, Chris will know this, but on like Amigo forums, there was a fella who championed this movie for a while. He would come on, and I always thought it was trolling, but then I kind of now believe that he sincerely thinks it's the best Superman movie, um, and to each their own. But you know, it's just never going to work for me. It, it just <laughs> You know, it, it's it's a failure to me. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I skip. I, I've actually watched The Quest for Peace more than the, because The Quest for Peace is such a train wreck <laughs> that it's kind of enjoyable. Like, you know, how like, there's a bit of schadenfreude in there. And, um, and it, you know, it's by no means good. But uh, this one, uh, yeah, this one I always tap out on. I, I, I think the... Um, the fight, the evil Superman, good Superman fight is kind of fun. Um, but that's about it. Now, I know Migo had, you know, been, had gone belly up by this point, by 1983. Yeah. And so there was no, and nobody bothered to do any sort of Superman 3 action figures or anything like that. That just wasn't a thing. I would imagine, guys, if Migo had done it, what would have been the line? It would have been what? Superman, evil Superman, and like maybe Robot Lady? Like what else is there really <laughs> to do? Yeah, I honestly don't think they would have done anything um, because I have an interview with uh, a former Mego executive, actually around the time of Superman 2. And she said, yeah, we didn't do anything for Superman 2 because Superman 1 didn't move any action figures for us. Wow. Uh, she said it's a good movie and it just didn't, didn't move, it didn't, uh, it didn't do anything sales wise. You know, Superman didn't spike sales wise it you know i think i think the amigo superheroes were um just a steady evergreen at this point but yeah they they couldn't and if you look in the 79 amigo catalog there's all this semi phoned in superman the movie merch they were trying to do you know they were taking old comic action heroes play sets and right and and repainting them and you know it's it's somewhat clever i mean you get the collapsing tower and um but it just Nobody bit. Nobody bought it. You know, hmm. um, I, I think Superman is a tough guy to merchandise because he's not like Batman. He doesn't have gadgets. He doesn't have, um, you know, all his powers are organic. So you know, like you can't sell a Superman utility. Well, you can sell a Superman utility belt. It's just silly. <laughs> and um, you know, like 
again, like you can walk into a store with, with somebody who doesn't collect toys. And if they see the supermobile, the first thing out of their mouth is why does Superman need that? (laughs) And I, I think that, I think that works on a, um, a level we don't quite understand. I, you know, I think you just, you're done at Superman, you know, <laughs> maybe get somebody for him to punch and you're kind of done toy wise. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of feel like, uh, Brian, just based on different, different things you've covered. Like recently you did a very recently, you did a black, uh, black hole <laughs> yeah. video, uh, about the 12 inch black hole line on, on your toy ventures, um, YouTube show. And, and so I, I kind of feel like if this movie had come, a few years earlier, you might have got like a 12-inch Robert Vaughn doll and uh, a 12-inch yeah. Richard Pryor, you know, uh, and, and no and no robot lady because that's what they do, right? That's what yeah, they go yeah, yeah. They, they, they missed that one. Yeah, they go they go they go heavy on the um, uh, Lana's boyfriend, uh, the, the late Gavin O'Hare. Um, yes. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> the no robots is exactly. Uh, what doomed the black hole 12 inch line for sure <laughs> it would have been amazing if they had made though a robot lady because then you would have had to own it because it was Vigo all these years uh-huh. and it would have forced you to confront your fears <laughs> yeah it, it, you know that seinfeld where george costanza's got that doll that looks like his mother um <laughs> i think that thing would be talking to me <laughs> And it would have been made of those unstable molecules that all the Mego dolls were made of near the end. So, like, yeah. it started to molt and stuff, turn gray. It would have been the. Yeah, but if she was kind of like a silverish gray, so that wouldn't be uh, too difficult. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, these <laughs> these opening, I'm glad, like I said, Brian, I'm, I'm glad you're willing to confront your fears here on the show. It's very brave of you. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you. So these, as I said, these five minutes are going to open with uh, with Gus having uh, had a change of heart in terms of killing Superman. I, you know, obviously this is a beat from the first film where Miss Tessmacher has the same uh, realization. And I mean, I got to wonder. I mean, it always works having one of the villains realize that. Oh, geez, I don't really want to kill the hero. But it's amazing how. What did you think was going to happen when you built a kryptonite ray? Into the computer. I mean, what else was it for? But I mean, it, it, it works no matter what kind of movie it is. You just, you want to see one. You know, Richard Pryor's Gus Gorman is not evil. He's just a little crooked and a little shady, but he's not, he's not evil like Ross Webster. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just want to question the weird logic of putting a computer in a cave. <laughs> you know, like, how convenient is that? Um, I <laughs> I know it makes for good cinema, but it's really strange when you think about it. That you have to balloon down to in these yeah, like yeah. baths that we talked about last time. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you guys, this is location, location, location guy. Yeah. And um, I, I found that, you know, I was rewatching that. I was like, That's so dumb. It's like Gilligan's Island logic. Um, <laughs> and then, but yeah, it, what I noticed in this first scene is um, Richard Pryor's, um, mugging is really unbearable. Um, you know, like he's, he's theater acting um, with his gust there. Like it's, you know, he's, he's supposed to be, I guess this is supposed to be the conflict in Gus watching Superman die. So Richard Pryor's like squirming and, you know, act, and it's like, ugh, <laughs> <You know? laughs> not, not a great opener for me. <laughs> I also yeah, he's, noticed- he's- 
He's playing for the back row there. That's yeah, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also noticed too, in, the, in these movies that, that take place at a certain time, is that like this this computer that they built is this massively complicated thing. It's it's going to become sentient in a moment, but yet when it has to be thwarted, it can be defeated by getting out a screwdriver. Yes, turning tiny, some screws. Tiny screw uh, because people don't understand computers. Yeah. It's nineteen eighty three. We can, you know, do this. Yeah, I noticed yeah, that too. They still think that computers are run with flanges and, and resistance. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could I could pull the back of my uh, my Mac here off with a screwdriver and then do what? Yeah. I mean, it's all microchips. There's no yeah. there's no screws for me to turn, but you know, we the nineteen eighty three computers to most people were still kind of a new thing, and so people thought of it as just like a giant machine, like it's a car. And it's like, well, no, a screwdriver's not going to do anything for it. But somehow, with the turn of simply one screw, yeah. Gus manages to turn the whole thing off. You have, so to, really you have to give them some credit that it's not a giant switch or <laughs> a, uh, a valve of some mm-hmm. kind. You know, like just a few years earlier, you know, if you, you watch anything with computers in it, they're always that same row of blinky light machine like you know I, I can't tell you how many times i've seen that the one prop um you know logan's run man called sloan um fantasy island like it's always this one computer that i think they used for about 20 years in film so you know we, we're getting a little variety with the screw yeah and it's a red-headed screw sticking in the middle with no other no, this apparatus with nothing else there very super convenient like <laughs> Unscrew this and it will stop, you know. It's the MacGuffin screw. It is exactly, yes. <laughs> no defense in front of it, nothing. You can just pull the panel off and turn the screw. Uh, so then Gus uh, swallows it uh, because Ross Webster uh, comes down and he's like, Give me that thing. And then, uh, and then you know, the worst fight ever. Oh, it is very, I mean, you talk about Gilligan's Island. Yeah, it is like really silly. Yeah. Uh, where Ross is trying to pry it out of Gus's mouth and, and Richard Pryor is doing the these hand permutations like the oh i mean yeah it is, oh yeah, yeah 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 he's biting his thumb yeah <laughs> pardon me um and it removes the drama from superman dying mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you sit there and go like oh i guess we shouldn't take superman's you know crisis too seriously these guys are <laughs> you know are, are fighting like uh skipper and gilligan you know and um <laughs> yeah it, it really is um like you said, tonally, it's very odd. Yeah. Uh, but but then all of a sudden, the machine suddenly turns back on, and we see the computer panel start to smoke. And there again, sparks fly out because, again, old-timey computer sparks fly out of it. Oh, yeah, really yeah. bad explosions, like those superimposed sparky explosions. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, they're um, not there. They're not actual practical effects. I no. noticed that. that no, 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 they're, 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 uh, they're transparent, too. Like, they're... <laughs> You know, um, and what I love about it is it kind of reminds me of like a 1950s movie at that point. You know, the computer and all the lightning stealing the electricity. And um, that kind of reminds me of movies like, you know, Gog or um, Colossus, the Forbin Project, which is a 50s movie, but it's like an early 70s movie, um, which is much more, uh, much more, uh, much less silly. I, I like that movie. I actually really yeah. like that movie. It's it's a it's a slow movie, but it's interesting. At least yeah. it has you know, um, it's it's kind of scary. 
congratulations, Brian. You got a man called Sloan and Colossus the Furban Project mentioned in the single that's episode. What I do, Super sir. Movie Minute. That's amazing. That's, that's Brian's brand, man. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it's what that's what you get Brian Hyler for. I mean, that's what you're doing. It's, you know. So uh, yeah, the computer starts to suck all the electricity out of the world, and we see all these shots of the powers going up. Uh, I can't help but think it's you know a little reminiscent of the actual power outage that took place in New York. Uh, but oh, yeah. you're filming Superman in 1970. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, there's that great story in the in the uh, commentary track where they talk about that. Uh, Tom Mankiewicz told that the the guy they needed one more. Richard Donner asked for one more light. He just needed like a little more. And they were like, "What do we do?" And somebody said, "Look, we have every generator going." And then someone else on the crew said, "Well, you know what we do? When we need a little more juice, we steal it from the city." And they pulled <laughs> open a panel of some light post. And stuck a thing in there. And then right after, all the power went out across Oof. New York City. And they said that guy for years after was like, I'm sorry I caused the blackout. They were like, yeah, it, yeah, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't you. And he's like, well, I don't know. So, uh, and, you know, this, this, whole, this whole sequence of the electricity makes me think of a phrase that's used on the jail UKS all the time, Chris. Electricity is evil. It is evil. It is. <laughs> yeah, it, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it. We see the computer reaching out to those giant like transformers and 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 those things used to scare me as a kid. I used to when we would drive past them, I'd think, "Oh God, those things are scary." And and now the you know the um you know so this movie like okay now they are scary because he's literally like you know there's all this electricity flying out of them and everything. So that was a that was a earlier childhood trauma. I'd got over it by the time this movie had come out, but hmm. <laughs> when I was a little fellow, they bothered me. So <laughs> I understand. <laughs> So we get the shot of a New York subway car, excuse me, Metropolis subway car. And uh, we see Lana and Ricky are there. They've made their way to Metropolis by now. And there's a woman reading a Daily Planet and it says, Superman, super again. Thank you for bringing that up. That is and, uh, the greatest. <laughs> I guess with Lois on vacation and Clark otherwise busy that they have like the B team writing the headlines because yeah, that Jimmy is some lazy that. headline writing. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> Yeah, what a what a what a what a what a busy news day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, things are back to normal. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, really? You guys couldn't come up with a better headline than that? And uh, maybe, maybe that's why the Daily Planet had to defend that takeover in Superman Four. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so, did so you then- notice, Rob, real quick? Did you notice that Lon and Ricky seemed to have the same outfits on they had when Ricky was yelling, "It's you'll be great against yes, Superman." Yes, I did. <laughs> they have not changed clothes in their trip from wherever the I guess Kansas is. It is Metropolis yeah. officially in Kansas? In in the well, there, well, Smallville movies? is. I don't know where Metropolis is. Exactly. Oh, I always thought Metropolis. Was was an avatar for uh, like Chicago, but I could be wrong. Uh, just because it would be closer to Kansas, wouldn't it? It would be, but I mean, we see that it's got the Statue of Liberty, so I mean, it's got yeah, it's got to yeah. be New York. Um, but uh, it, oh, that's right, they do say they do say Kansas uh, with small. So so yeah, they've they've made that trip uh, pretty quickly, and they have not either changed clothes or they've changed clothes several times, and now they're back to those same outfits. Maybe they pair their outfits on different days. You know, like <laughs> they, Ricky, you wear that, and I wear that, or something. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a little weird, but okay. Uh so then the computer turns the kryptonite beam back on and it is uh attacking Superman and uh, wearing him out and of course nobody really knows what to do because the computer seemingly has turned on. And then there is a handy axe. Yes. Uh that someone has installed as a little handle under the computer. Again, one, one of the many contractors do? we didn't see. 
Yeah. What exactly <laughs> is this supposed to? Why would anybody build an axe into this machine as part of the? Yeah. Like if, what if, if it catches fire, what's going to happen? Yeah. The cave's not going to burn down. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's not like you can get a fire department in there. So you just walk away, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, an extinct. I think if an extinguisher was near the axe, it, it may have softened the blow a little bit of how out of place that that axe is. I mean, it's it's still it still wouldn't make any sense. But at least you'd be like, oh, fire extinguisher, fire axe. Okay, you know. I, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just no, it's an axe heading there. So then uh, Gus uh, strikes the, the the cannon, the sort of ray cannon with the axe, and he destroys it. That finally turns the. Uh, Beam off and Superman is uh, again slowly recovering. These movies really, you know, I mean, these movies really love to like put Superman down and let someone else rescue him. Now that I've seen it for like the third time, it's a little like, can't Superman rescue himself? <laughs> I think, I think that's the, the Superman paradox, right? Like what do we do with this guy? He's so powerful. So they, you know, they need to do this thing and it's, you know, it's, it's, I, w- I wouldn't call it lazy, but it, it is a bit like I wish they would give him a crisis of conscience or something as opposed to having him, you know, fail and be saved all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of back to um, you were talking about our, our not to keep plugging JLU cast, but that's what Cindy and I had a, so much trouble and everybody does in the first season of Justice League is to show how big a threat was. Oh, let's just knock Superman down. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and have him uh, grunt and everything. And I, <laughs> I heard a, it's not, of course, Superman, uh, George Newburn was Superman on Justice League, but there was an interesting little bit that came out uh, this week, like an old interview with Dana Delaney, where she said when her and Tim Daly were recording the animated series, they had, they had him grunt and groan so many times that he, she got to laughing because it sounded like Superman was on the toilet. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but uh, I, I think it's funny that you know you guys were talking about how over the top the Gilligan's Island match between Skipper and I mean uh, between uh, Ross and Gus was uh, because Christopher Reeve is still acting as if he's in a Superman movie. Oh, yes. totally. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, you know, when he, the beam goes off, he's like he gives this great like, oh my god, that just about killed me. That look on his face and he's breathing, is sh- breathing shallow and. You know, it, it, he's really selling how much that, how painful that was and how close he came to dying. Meanwhile, you know, there's, you know, the Benny Hill, you know, <laughs> Jackie Sachs theme could be playing over on the other side, you know, somewhere. But. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up a good point. I also feel when Superman, like, walks out in this scene, it feels a little bit like Christopher Reeve is wishing he could. Um <laughs> Like there's there's an authentic uh, feel to that. Like well, it looks like Superman's pissed, you know. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it it probably is probably um, a little bit. I don't think there's a lot of method acting there. I think that you know, he, he might be a bit concerned at this point. That might be one reason why he said this is it. I'm not. I'm not at this point. He said oh, this is my last Superman movie, and of course. It wasn't, but uh, but th- th- at this point he said it was. So yeah, that m- this might be one reason. Yeah, he he's definitely. He, 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 it's kind of interesting. He cuts that look, and also the fact that he he flies, he he leaves is very similar to what happened in Superman Two. You know, with those kids, Superman didn't do nothing. You know, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting um, scene. 
for that, just that alone. You know, Chris, what you said reminds me of uh, when we did our first episode and we dreamcasted Brainiac and Mr. McPitalik, you know, if mm-hmm. they had been in this movie. Benny Hill as the toy man. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect <laughs> casting. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I kind of want to see it. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that brings it back to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> that does. I'm not right. a big Benny Hill fan, but I would have. that would have been really funny to see that. <laughs> just go all the way with it. I mean, just, just completely lean into this kid. So, so anyway, the computer blasts uh, Gus and uh, t- takes him, uh, you know, lifts him up into the air there and blasts him up against the, uh, the cave wall. Um, how he manages to even survive that, I don't know, because he's just a regular guy. Uh, I yeah. would imagine a, a blast of energy uh, lifting you several feet in the air and then slamming you into the rough uh, cliff, uh, the side of a cliff, and then fall, not a cliff, but of a cave, and then falling uh, would be incredibly painful, and you'd probably break a couple of bones at least. But of course, these are you know, these are this movie. Movie people are made of a different substance. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So then, they're, Superman they're part flubber. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, Superman gets up and uh, walks out of the cave, and then the uh, Lorelai and uh, and Vera are kind of like admonishing him, and he does that look. He does that great look that you just mentioned, Chris, where yeah. he's just like, "Yeah, I've had enough of this." I'm yeah, just- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Tell Ilya to come to my trailer. <laughs> so yeah he's just like all right so then the uh the computer starts to spark and uh everything is going a little kerfluey ross webster is wondering what is all happening they all manage uh to lorelei manages to get out and then vera just a little too slow and gets grabbed by this beam and sucked into the wall of the computer and here we are Yep. Arguably the maybe the most famous sequence of the movie, if not and maybe the Superman versus Superman is more famous, but certainly the most infamous scene. Yeah, uh, where we we see first of all, uh, it starts to close in on her, yeah. uh, which is yeah. terrifying. I mean, really terrifying. And then it does a whole Borg thing. Yeah, where it transforms her, and it, it is genuinely to this day upsetting to watch. Yeah, I, I wonder what Gus was thinking when he built that. Um, you know, <laughs> seems, seems a little rude. Um, yeah, it is, it is what I would describe if you're a kid kind of pants wettingly scary. It, it is, it is. Um, and I feel, and this is after much reflection, that it's meant to be comedic. It's, it's meant to be silly and it just did a 180 and flipped into terrifying, huh. you know, because of the tone of this film is so much, so many jokes don't land in this film. And um, I, you know, and there's always kind of humor can go dark sometimes, you know, and uh, I really do think that this was meant, she was meant to look uh, a little silly, you know, with her hair up like that and the whole thing. And, and, and you know, I, I think it's the eyes that really, um, that are really uh, what, what clinch it as being um, as scary, but, you know, she's got that weird robotic walk. Like, why did she forget how to walk? And, um, yeah, I just, I don't, uh, I don't think this was meant to be um, a scary scene. I think it was meant to be, you were supposed to laugh at her. And uh, <laughs> total, total joke did not land. Hmm. Huh. That's, that, uh, that's interesting. I, I mean, I can, I've never thought of that before. 
but I can see it. And I could also see the effects guys like kind of maybe slightly rebelling and being like, Oh no, no, we, we've got to, you know, we've, we've got to, we've got to go. This is a really, this is a good chance for us to do something really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, cause FX guys are like that, you know, they want, Oh yeah, you want this? I'm going to give you this, you know? Uh, so I, it, it, I kind of wonder if that didn't have something to do with it. And it's, I think you're right. The, the, the giant up of her eyes, I mean, it takes up the whole screen. And if you're mm-hmm. sitting in a movie theater, you see these giant silver eyes open and there's all these wires and circuits around her, around her, eye, you know, around her eyes and yeah. the eyes themselves. It's like, you know, suddenly they're, you know, she's crossed the great barrier in the, uh, where no man has gone before episode of Star Trek, and she's Gary Mitchell, you know. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it, um, it, you know, it's like sometimes when they try to do like, um, do you ever watch like a low rent cable children's like Christian show, and the puppets are they're trying something with the puppets, and they've gone the wrong way. Yes. And the, the puppets are terrifying. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, like I, I just find there's this fork in the road between cute and scary. And I think that's, I think that, you know, they, they took that turn and I just don't think they were really thinking things through on that one. Um, but I do just from the entire tone of the film, it's so silly. I think that this was meant to be a silly scene and it just, failed on all levels and you know um and, and i want to talk to richard lester <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting because i i agree that when she emerges she looks silly with the giant the giant black wig uh yeah then she looks like like a phyllis diller like robot phyllis oh diller, yeah you know? yeah it's that's like, very yeah you know it's yeah. my husband fang aha you know it's that that kind of thing <laughs> But this, but but then, but I also agree with Chris in that the the act, the sequence leading up to it, is terrifying. Yeah. Because she is being invade, her body is being invaded. I mean, it's not like they don't get the sense that you don't get the sense that it's like the robot is taking over her brain and turning her into a robot. You get the sense the robot is like literally digging under her skin. Yeah. It's robot tendrils, and. You know, that's horrifying. And that to me, that's what the sequence is. Now, when she emerges again, then it becomes silly again. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, it's funny. I think you guys are both right. And that it's like, they tried to do something and I think they failed, but I also think yeah, I think the effects guys were sort of like the editor was like, Hey, we really have a chance to make this sequence have real punch, even though it's completely discordant with everything we've seen in the last like half hour of this movie. You know, the, 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 the film I keep thinking of where they kind of did that right, it's not a funny joke either, but have you ever seen The Return of Swamp Thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. There's yeah. a scene where, um, you know, Ace Mask, who's the, the um, professor or whatever, he gets turned into like a, um, a hideous brain monster. But when he comes out of the machine, he uses his inhaler, you know, so it, it reduces all, it makes it, it makes it a joke. You know, he's still got that little quirk, even though he's a monster now. He's still got asthma. And, um, I, you know, I kind of think that if you wanted to do this scene the way I think they were intending, they needed to have her do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, as she came out, you know, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember anything about this character, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think, she I think, still, still insults her brother or something. Even yeah, 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 something. And, and um 
but you know they they missed they missed that opportunity yeah um, i mean the the like you said rob the the actual moment where she's screaming and like the plates and stuff appear on her face and yeah that's like really super well done too it's like you know those yeah. those kind of transitions usually i mean you know like uh, as much as I love him, you know, like Lon Chaney Jr. will slightly move his his head a little bit, you know, <laughs> in in the in the fades as he changes into the Wolfman or something, right? And and when they don't, it's like, man, that's really super. When he does it, that's like super super effective. And that's what's going on here. I mean, it looks it just it looks great. It it really does. But it it does. It looks it looks painful. It looks horrifying. Like she's. It's like some David Cronenberg shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, not to oversell this, but yeah, it really yeah. kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh my lord, you know? So yeah, it's it's like they almost like they did it too well or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I, right, I think that they, when she emerges, she reminds me a lot of uh, Irona, the, the robot butler from, uh, robot maid from the Richie Rich cartoon. But, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that deep cut, everybody. But but that no. sequence, the sequence where she gets transformed is, re- and again, the claustrophobia and that when she gets sucked in, you see the panels kind of like constrict her a little. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. getting crushed inside the gears. Not that there's gears, although it's an old timey computer. So sure, it has gears. But you yeah, know what I mean? It, it just, it has that, it just feels awful. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, it's just like. Wow, I can imagine being upsetting and, and throwing up your popcorn. Did you throw up at the theater or when you got home? When I got home, yeah, I, <laughs> I went to bed reaction. and I had a, I had a uh, you know la- uh, robot lady nightmare, and uh, wow. I don't think the popcorn was very good. <laughs> I think it might have been, you know, this was a pretty crummy theater. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was not a good. Uh, that, I think that was the last film of the summer too i think also i watched it on like labor day weekend wow you know, which, oh which you know you're going to school you know like it, it, there was probably a uh a downer vibe to the weekend anyways <laughs> but um i'm still that like that at labor day i don't know why <laughs> that movie really held on then because like this came oh, out yeah. in june it was still playing at labor day for pizza well this was this was the cheap theater uh, the, the 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 theater downtown would get movies uh, second run or honestly that that summer I saw Journey to the Far Side of the Sun at that theater and like that that was a movie from the sixties yeah yeah and it was playing there and I you know I remember sitting in the theater going oh I've seen this you know on TV. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Our theater was way behind, you know, it's, we had one theater in town and, and still do, but it, it, you know, at the time, like we would always get the movies, like at least a month after they came out everywhere, you know, like they, the wide release. Uh, so I probably, if this came out, I don't know what the exact date again, uh, but you know, I probably saw this like July or something like that. And, and so, yeah, I, it, it, we never saw anything like, you know, when it, when it first hit, we had to drive to the big city to <laughs> to see yeah. it if we wanted to see it when it hit. But uh, and 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 it oddly enough, Brian, I think I had a preview of the scary robot lady from that Starlog magazine because I'm pretty sure I had that first. I picked that up before I saw the movie. Oh, again. Okay. So so I'm like, oh, okay. That what is that? And I don't. If I I, I should have got that out and looked at it because I have a nice copy Rob sent me. But um, 
I, I should have looked at it and uh, to see, but I think there's like one image of, of her like pointing her finger right before she's going to zap somebody. So I'm like, okay, what is that? There's some <laughs> scary robot person in this, in this film. And so when she got pulled in the computer, I think I remember thinking, Oh, okay. This yeah. is where this comes from. But it, at the same time, it was, it didn't make it any less horrifying. I was just kind of, I was kind of scared of that image in the book <laughs> and funny, I was kind of eh? waiting for it to show up, you know, and here, here she was. So, <laughs> Oh man. Uh, um, I just, I also remembered just now that um, the only merchandise I ever saw for Superman three, other than that magazine was in Canada, at least post serials did a promo with it. And, um, uh, the, the, you got stickers, you got, um, like window cling stickers hmm. and, um, you know, my mom, I think bought me sugar crisp and I got, I was like, Oh yeah, Superman three. And, um, <laughs> uh, and I had the Christopher Reeve and a helicopter sticker on my fish tank for the, you know, the majority of the eighties, I'd say. Um, and you know, I, I, to the point where I'd kind of forgotten where they came from. Hmm. Uh, but I just kind of remembered that. Um, Did it have any was, Superman three like trade dress on it, or was it just Superman and the helicopter? It was just a Superman and the helicopter. But that was um, all there. All that was it. You know, it was. Um, it was that. It, it's sort of like a Wrath of Khan. There was like no Star Trek merchandise out there, and, mm-hmm. and there was no um, nothing. And I'm just looking now. I was just trying to see. I guess um, Nabisco did it in the States too. They did trading cards. Hmm. And um, no, Richard Pryor is but... noticeably absent from the. <laughs> it's the <laughs> Superman 3 poster, but Richard Pryor has been airbrushed out. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's, 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 it's the same poster, though? It looks like it. Um, it's what the hell is Superman it's... doing that? Holding well, no one? <laughs> yeah. It basically, yeah. He's, he's, his arm is up. And they've put the trading cards over to, but yeah, the Richard Pryor is not, um, not present. That's really interesting. That's very strange. Oh Lord. Okay. Well, yeah. another rabbit hole for you to go down uh, Brian, for an episode of pod stallion. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, and uh, you know, this is, again, this is something Chris and I have been hitting on like every third episode of the show, but like, we know that they were going to, they wanted to initially do Brainiac and then they didn't. And then there were so many opportunities to seed a Brainiac story if they wanted to. And I think here they could have turned, who you know, maybe not Vera, or could have been Vera. Um, they could have had the robot, the, the you know, the, the the computer turn this person into a, a robot hybrid person, yeah. and then blow them up, and then be like, oh, you know what? At the end of the film, they're still alive. Bang! That's your next villain for Superman Four. We ever do it like. There were so many chances to hand off to Brainiac, and the movie just keeps not doing it. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. yeah. They never get to the fireworks factory. They never get to the fireworks factory. So uh, Vera, uh, robot Vera, blasts Lorelai with her finger laser. Again, these movies love finger lasers. They do. Um, and there is this moment here where, and this is something that movies once digital effects came in full time. We'll never see again, but you see it in every movie before that. When a character, when an actor is lifted off the floor in a movie, they sway a little 
They rock <laughs> back and forth because the you know the, the the guide wires they're on is lifting them up, but it can't. You can't yank the actor straight back because it'll you know it'll hurt them. So you have to lift them for just a half beat and then pull them. And in every single character, Zod, Ursa, Non, Lorelai, Gus Gorman a second ago, they you just see them rock a little bit. And to me, it is the indication of a movie of a certain era because now mm. we don't see that. Now characters, you know, it's all computers. They get yeah. blasted into oblivion. But I just, I find it charming to just see the uh, actor go, just get balanced a little bit as they get yanked off screen. I, I recently saw uh, an a, a out, or a episode of Bewitched on YouTube <laughs> where Paul Lind is um, Uncle Arthur, I guess, and he's, he's playing Superman. He's wearing yes. a Superman suit and he's flying around the neighborhood. It's all practical, of course. And it really looks good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's surprisingly well done. You can tell that he's hanging. You know, he's not flying, but it's still kind of like, oh, yeah, that's kind of, there's a charm to this. You know, it, it's well done. Yeah. And I, I miss that. Yeah, that 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 little clip of Bewitched had better flying effects than all of the Adventures of Superman TV show. It, yeah. <laughs> it seriously did. I mean, it it really did. So yeah, it, you know, nowadays if you watch like you watch those um, uh, those documentaries, the behind the scenes things on the Marvel movies on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. they keep doing and and a lot of times they do they do actually have like a lot of wire work and things, and sometimes it's stunt people and sometimes it's the actual actor, but. It's the technology. It's the the actual, the 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 wires and the ropes and the the bungee cord like material that they have nowadays can actually pull people back without like you know ripping them in two like it would have back then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's it's got like the right resistance, the right give to like look make it look like they're you know like when they're yanked away quickly. They can do that now and not like Rob says, pick them up off the ground, swing them around a little bit, and then pull them back. So. <laughs> You know, that's yeah. funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember I, I have a friend who owns a comic book store. He still does. But I mean, like when I was a kid, I used to go in there and um, I remember he didn't like superhero movies. And I found that surprising. <laughs> and he, he said to me, um, it's he was he, he cited Superman, too. And he goes, whenever they um, punch somebody, there's a delay, <laughs> you know, it is just a like a. a tiny delay before the person actually feels the the impact and he goes and it just ruins the illusion for me and um that bothered me after that you know like (laughs) (laughs) i hated that he mentioned that to me and these movies were all cut you know the the the, at a more leisurely pace now nowadays everything's so rapid fire yeah that 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 kind of i mean and honestly it does give every blow more impact because they don't, you know, they, they cut, everything's cut in an inch of its life, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, it, it makes it seem more sudden and, and honestly more violent. So it kind of, it, it kind of, that, that's kind of gone now really in a lot of ways, unless, unless somebody's just really not on the ball in editing basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They yeah. had to get it in one, one shot sort of. And so you have to, you have to live with that person just, uh, okay. And then they go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Vera blasts robot Vera blasts Lorelai up into the cave wall and then she starts blasting Ross and he collapses to the ground and then we see Superman taking off as he's flying off in the sky and then these five minutes are going to end with the uh, robot uh, gearing up and getting ready to do something 
really bad, and we're going to end with a, a bunch of electricity bursts as its sort of tendrils are reaching into these uh, power stations all across uh, the, the United States. We're going to see the lights going out, and that's where these five minutes are going to end. So, Brian, do you feel like you have uh, faced your yes. fear by talking yes, about this? Yes, I have faced my minutes? fear, and um, like I said, I couldn't believe when you gave me the options that that was still a thing, like that was still open. Um, I thought that would be the first thing to go, you know, like donuts at a break room table. And uh, so I was, I was super excited. Um, and uh, I've been looking forward to this and you made me watch Superman three. Uh, <laughs> Brian, you were super excited. That's a very lazy headline. I have to. Yes, it is. Super <laughs> man excited to do podcasts. <laughs> Right, right underneath, man screams at cloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't, don't even use my name. Just have a picture of me and says man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, I hate to say this, Chris, but I really feel like it's really all downhill from here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it isn't isn't the well? The, yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's you guys did the Superman fight scene already. Yeah, that's but, the yeah. yeah. That's what everybody else went running for. And, yep, and that's, yep. that's why, you know, yeah, exactly. That's everybody was so occupied with that. That's, and Brian's like, Oh yeah, I get the, I get this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I would be, I would be very boring in that like sense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a good guest for that scene. Cause like, Oh wow. He punched him. You know, like I, I don't have anything to say about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess, I, I guess the bar scene was probably a big deal too. Yeah, that whole section. Anything with evil Superman was kind of a... That, that's all done in Calgary. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, which right. is weird. Um, we did a whole like, episode about the, the Canadian connection. Yeah, the, Calgary is such an odd city to film a Superman movie in. Um, <laughs> you know, like a lot of DC shows are filmed in Vancouver. Sure. And, you know, it's sort of like a lower cost California looking place. But Calgary is... You know, um, I've been there many, many times, and uh, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> film in Banff, it's nice there. You know? <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for coming back. You know, Chris and I always enjoy talking to you, no matter what show we're doing. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. So, why don't you tell you, people know where they can find you, but why don't you tell people about your new project? That's really exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got a new book that I'm desperately trying to get out for the end of the year. It is a follow up to my last book, Rack Toys, but it's uh, like a cousin to it. It's called Knockoffs, uh, Totally Unauthorized Action Figures. And it is a, you know, a coffee table book about silly bootleg toys that, uh, you know, there's, there's many Superman in the book um, that, you know, just are exploiting copyrights and, and trying to um, trying to steal a little bit of sales heat and fool grandparents. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as somebody put it, somebody smarter than me put it recently, it's like these are toys from another universe, an alternate reality and where things are pretty terrible and th- th- there's a joy to these and i gotta tell you the the folks you know i i've i've had i don't have enough of a collection to put a book together myself so i reached out to um some people who have you know fantastic you know smashing collections and god I, i've never been this was a great project to renew my faith in humanity um, I've never had something be so embraced 
by people. Um, they just like gave and gave. It's crazy. You know, uh, one night I was like, kind of, I don't know what I was watching a movie in my office or what. And I, I could hear my Facebook messenger just going off and off and off, you know, that ding, 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 ding. And I kept thinking, what is that? And it was some guy I didn't know. And he had sent me like 500 photos. Oh and it was like, take whatever you need. And it's like, Holy cow. You know, like I, it was overwhelming. And it was like, thank you, stranger. (laughs) 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 And you know, that's what I've been dealing with. And, um, it's just so darn nice. And uh, I, I'm glad I did this. Uh, so that, that should be coming out in December. I'm hoping if paper is available. Uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, it's been 14 hour days for the last month, but um, I, I have a smile on my face the entire time. So that, that information on that book is available at plaidstallions.com. Well, thank you for taking an hour away from your book to, to do that. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, secretly, I was doing some layouts while we were talking. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you this story. Here's the perfect chance to tell you this, Brian, uh, was the, the other, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there's a, um, a retro toy store in our neighborhood, a couple, oh, yeah. like, a couple towns away. And uh, I was out with my fiance and then our two friends who were visiting. And we went over there and we were just looking at toys and whatever and just rummaging through different things. And they had a copy of your... Rack Toys book. Cool. And I pulled it off the shelf and I went over to them and I showed them and I I immediately flipped to the page that was the Aquaman scuba gear thing that I sent you. Yeah. Is in that book. And then I showed them that. I said, I sent this. I said, this I said, this guy's a friend of mine. I sent him this. And then I flipped to the indicia and I in the list of thanks. And there I mentioned. Yeah. And it was like it was so it was so cool to impress the straights, as it were. Because, you know what I mean? Like, these are these are not people that generally live in that world exactly. And here I am mentioned in a book at on sale at a store they're in, and they were just duly impressed. So thank you very much for that. Oh, thanks, Ed. That's great to hear. I had that um, I had that moment once uh, years ago. I took my son to a toy show, and this guy came to my table and he recognized all the rack toys and stuff I was selling and just went, I love your blog. Mm. I love it. And in front of my son and my son, he's probably like eight. He's like, you're embarrassing my father right now. (laughs) And it was, it was such a nice, um, it was such a validating moment. You know what I mean? So I I love stuff like that, you know? Um, And that's cool that you saw the book in the wild. I, I rare, I, I don't. So yeah, I, could, I spotted him off the shelf. I was like, whoa, there it is. So, And regarding your new book, I think I, I, I feel safe in speaking for Chris and saying we both cannot wait to get this book. Oh, I'm oh, glad yeah. to hear it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it, is, um, it is so fun. Um, you know, I, I can show it to, as you said, straights. I've shown it to a couple of, of people that don't collect toys, and they start laughing when they go through it. So I know I'm on to something with it. You know, if, if it can, if it can appeal to people who have no interest in toys. <laughs> Chris, do you have I, a favorite toy bootleg? Do you have one in your collection? Oh, I, I, it, it's, it's one that's, um, my, my absolute favorite is this, uh, Batman that's, and I've sent the picture to Brian and he's somebody else probably already said it to him, but, but, uh, it's, um, it's a Batman Mego type figure. It's got a blow molded body. 
he's got a he's got a red he's got a red costume painted on him. But the what's really great about it is 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 that somebody was industrious enough to swipe the artwork from the Aurora Batman model kit for the packaging. I mean, there's there's a oh. redrawn Carmine Infantino Batman, uh, you know, on the side of, of that package, and that's the type of stuff that you know. You guys both know I'm obsessed with identifying who drew what, and yeah. so so when when uh, when somebody like goes that deep into the bench and pulls <laughs> something that's not not like an actual style guide art, but like literally from an existing product and puts it on that uh, something like that, that's just that's gravy. I just love that thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally feel you on that. Uh, that is that is the that is the fun part of all of this. Um, the other one I like is. Um, when when they 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 try to get clever with the name you know and uh i've got some i've got one called battleman where it's you know it's 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 a robin with an with an axe <laughs> um and i've got one um called supper warrior which um what? i think i think they were going for super <laughs> supper warrior supper, supper warrior. warrior which my wife calls me all the time and um <laughs> It, it, yeah, just stuff like that. Uh, the red Batman, by the way, is um, Italian, right? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the because I have a couple red Batmans in the book, and I think it has to do with um, in Italy he was red in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think some bootleggers, uh, for some reason, follow follow through with that. Yeah, and I think the, the isn't the Phantom isn't he like red and. Some countries, like maybe Italy as well, instead of purple, he's red. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what that yeah, is. It's, I think it's like, Australia he's red. Oh, in Australia he's red. He's yeah. big in Australia too. Yeah, yeah he is. In fact, I was just watching a movie, uh, an Australian uh, biker film. And as one you of the do. Bike- yeah, oh, well, that's totally on brand. Um, <laughs> and it, it, one of the bikers is reading the Phantom comic. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Toy Talk. We really appreciate you coming to the show. <laughs> I, like to, I like to derail conversations. <laughs> Again, you you don't invite Brian Hyler on the show to not talk about toys at some point. I mean, yeah, what, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. So <laughs> just just lean into it. <laughs> just lean into it. So of course you can find back episodes of the show on our website, FireWaterPodcast.com. You can subscribe to Superman Movie Minute on any podcatcher of your choice. We're always talking Superman movies over on Twitter at Superman Movement. We have to thank uh, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer from Star Wars Minute for being so generous with the uh, allowing us to bar the movie by minutes format. And then if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. And there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Superman's pal, Henry Bernstein, for his support of Superman Movie Minute. Thanks, Henry. Yes, thanks, Henry. And this episode's longer than 20 minutes, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go, Henry. So, <laughs> so uh, come back next time, everybody, as the adventure continues with Superman 3 Movie Minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.